The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. It's been called the Magna Carta of the Gospel or the Christian Declaration of Independence. Really, two books in the New Testament have been given titles like that. One is the book of Romans, but the book we're in right now is the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches in the region of Galatia. And it it really did have kind of a geographic connotation and also sort of a political connotation. But this region of churches that Paul had visited and he writes to, he's talking about the purity of the gospel and what it really means to be saved. And this is our subject matter this week and on this edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here with my friend Bert Harper. And Bert, as we read Galatians and the purity of the gospel and our not only privilege of believing it, but responsibility to proclaim it, doesn't it just make you appreciate all over again how blessed we are to know Jesus, to be saved, and that here in the 21st century, that that life-changing message of Jesus is still being proclaimed. Amen. It is a scarlet thread that Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, the only way is by faith, and it was taken by the apostles. And we're going to talk about this today, how the apostles agreed concerning Jesus Christ and his message. And, And Paul, what was good for the Jews when the Gentiles, when it came to knowledge and, and coming to receive Christ, is agreed upon. It's one way, by grace through faith. And Alex, what a privilege it is. What a responsibility it is. Have you noticed most privileges have great responsibility? They, they really do. You know what? I just uh, earlier today had lunch with a, a, a dear Christian brother, and he, the Lord has blessed him in business. But he said, look, he said, God will give you opportunities, but hard work and commitment is what gives you success. And, you know, uh, the Lord, because he cares about our character, he, the world is, is made in such a way that, you know, you don't get things just handed on a silver platter. All good blessings come with, as you said, responsibility, don't they? They do. And here in the first two chapters of the book of Galatians, Paul is defending, and and there's nothing wrong with that. He's defending. He's putting up an apologetic uh, message concerning his apostleship and gospel. And, Mm -hmm. And they really are in tandem because of his apostleship was from God and not from man. And he's going to go through the historical documentation to prove to the churches of Galatia that it did not come from man, but came from God. And in that same manner, the gospel that he had preached to them was the only gospel. There was not something yeah. else. And if here's the words. This was so strong, and it's in verses 8 and 9, and it says, If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him go to the place of destruction. Uh, Alex, that's how important the gospel is. And, well, and, and this stands to this day. Let, let me say uh, the gospel is that Jesus gave his life on the cross for our sins. We come into a relationship with the Lord through faith, not works. 
And that mandate that we preach the true saving gospel and we do not allow it to get perverted by false teaching, that anathema on falsehood stands to this day, doesn't it? It certainly does. And what Paul does here is lay out the proof of the gospel, that it is from Christ. It is his gospel. It's not another gospel. They were accusing Paul, and they still do today. We got liberal theology that says Paul uh, went further than Christ, and he added to it. No, it's the same gospel. And here we find not necessarily, uh, when you read Galatians and you read some in the book of Acts, sometimes you have a hard time to put the chronological order exactly in the right place. But the theological studies is in so much agreement, it's amazing. And But here we find in Galatians, what you want to do is read Acts 15 and probably a little bit of 14, uh, and then read Galatians chapter 1, starting with verse 11 through chapter 2, and you'll see a little bit of how it fits in. And again, we don't know exactly what it was chronologically. Paul wasn't necessarily... Uh, showing that, but he was showing the theological importance of grace. And I'm not saying it's chronologically disrupted. It's just us having a hard time putting it all together. But let's start it with this. Would we, in verse 15, it says, Mm -hmm. When it pleased God, and you read these yesterday, but they're just so good, we got to come back and make one or two comments about it. But when it pleased God, underline that, that's what it's all about, his good pleasure who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood Mm. or with man. That's so important right here because he's documenting that it was God that did it. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Notice what he does with Jerusalem. He says, I didn't stop in at Jerusalem at that point. I didn't return to Jerusalem at that point. It was not me getting my apostleship and the gospel message from the apostles. It was from God. Alex, uh, he's really pouring that on to these Galatians because the Judaizers had come in and was accusing Paul of of not being truthful to the gospel. Yeah, yeah, well, and, you know, by the way, if you want to understand the New Testament and the, the early church, you know, there's, there's a reference here to this, like you say, in 15 and 16, but I'm going to go ahead a little bit, then I'm going to go backwards if I can. If you want to understand the book of Acts and really the New Testament, Galatians 2.8, says, for God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. Galatians 2, 8. The King James renders it, says, Peter was an apostle to the circumcision, that's the Jewish people. The same was mighty toward me, mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So God was at work, and I just think it's, Bert, a beautiful thing, we've talked about this, how Peter a very unlikely candidate to start the church and preach at Pentecost. And here was Peter who, I mean, you might think that, um, you know, Paul, he's a leading rabbi, highly educated. Now he goes away into 
the deserts of Arabia for three years to prepare for ministry. From a human standpoint, I would have said, okay, obviously Paul will go to those educated Jews. <laughs> and, you know, Peter, yeah. a working man who is not a man of letters, he'll go to the, the pagan Gentiles. But God did it the other way around. Now I want to go backwards. Verse 11, Paul says, the gospel that I preach was not the King James says, after man or derived from human source. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 15, he was separated from birth to this calling. Uh, his son was revealed in him. And as it says in 17 and 18, you know, he didn't go up to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles prior to him. But went into Arabia, returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to see Peter and stayed there more than two weeks. Now, here's my point. I heard Adrian Rogers say this, the great Adrian Rogers, a call to preach is a call to prepare. Even the Apostle Paul, who I think probably had a genius level IQ, even Paul, with all of his background, taught by Gamaliel, I mean, Paul had all the, the uh, pedigree, but yet he went away for three years, I think, to be intensely in communion with the Lord, being taught by the Holy Spirit, and most important church planter, evangelist, theologian, missionary, apostle ever, probably, um, even Paul had to go away for his preparation, didn't he? He did, and notice it's three years. Now, let me see. Jesus and those 12, and counting Judas's carrot, let me see, three years, a little bit, three plus that they walked with him. So I think this three years is important, Alex, that it says that Paul, for as his time with the Lord in learning, was that of those first, the 12, yeah. you know? And again, we see that, and you said it yesterday, and I loved it, it pleased God to separate me through the calling that he's given me. Notice what the calling is through, grace. You'll mm. find Paul in this first book, first letter that we have that he wrote. Most scholars agree that Galatians was Paul's first letter that he wrote, first epistle. It came right. probably not long after Acts chapter 15. There's some disagreement in that. It could have been later, but it was after Acts 15. We know that for sure. And so, Alex, this whole idea, this calling pleases God to do it through grace. Has that changed? No, and, and, you know, it has not changed. You and I, early on in our friendship, we mentioned something that we had both read. Uh, there was a man named G.D. Watson years ago wrote a little tract, and on the front it said, Others may, you cannot. Do you remember that? I do. And, and it's talking about... Uh, the obligation we have to Jesus. Now, grace, salvation is a free gift. We don't earn it. We can't buy it. It's a gift that's offered, and by faith we receive it. So on the one hand, the gospel is all about grace, and the free gift that the Lord's given us really makes us want to be all the more committed to Him. And what's amazing to me, the highest motivation for faithful service to Jesus, I think, is gratitude and love. And the, the odd thing is, legalism is all about works. 
and yet grace is about God's favor and the free gift. And Paul talks about the grace of God, and you and I are under grace. And because the love of Jesus has been so freely put into our lives, we want to be all the more committed to him, don't we? We do. And that calling is sure. That calling is on our lives. If you've been saved, you've been called. You've been called to share Christ. Now, again, just like you referred to earlier, Peter was called, and his main ministry was to the Jewish community, although he was with the Samaritans. He was, uh, in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and the Gentiles. And Mm -hmm. then Paul, he didn't exclude the Jewish community. He he would go to the synagogue. Exactly. His heart's desire was that they would be saved. And part of his, I would say, his missionary movement was to go to the synagogue first, if there was one. And so it was an exclusionary, although it was focused. You got, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's the same gospel, different focus. Alex, that hasn't changed. A lot of your focus in your calling has been apologetic and evangelism, although you have Mm -hmm. a pastor's heart. That's why I say Alex McFarland's a unique kind of guy. It really is. Bert Harper's focus has been pastoral, but at the same time teaching and preaching the word, Mm -hmm. even in an apologetic way to equip the, the saints to answer the questions. And so same gospel, different focus Mm. and find your focus after you know that you're saved and God's called you find your focus. It may be an age group. Some people it's preschool, some it's senior adults. Sometimes it's a place, but God usually gives you a focus, doesn't he? He really does. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. We're in Galatians 1. We'll keep on going into Galatians 2. Plus, we'll take your phone calls and Bible questions. So stay tuned. We're back after this. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Bruce Reed, White House Deputy Chief of Staff. He works to ensure the smooth running of the departments within the White House administration while assisting the Chief of Staff. Colossians 3.23 reminds us of the importance of working hard. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Bruce Reed in his role as White House Deputy Chief of Staff. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Most of us think the sin in our life is the result of things we've done wrong. But Dr. Tony Evans says there's more to it than that. He'll talk about three different kinds of sin today as we spend two minutes with Tony. First of all, sin is imputed. The word imputed means to be credited to someone's account. The human race received a death credit because the Bible says in Romans 5, in Adam all die. It's like in football, when a lineman is called for an infraction, the lineman isn't given five-yard penalty. The whole team is given five-yard penalty because they are connected to one another. So let's go to the next level of sin. One sin is imputation, but the next sin is inherited sin. 
You not only gave to your children your good looks, you gave to your children your sin nature, but then their sin practiced. Let's forget your mama and your daddy. Let's talk about the stuff you knew was wrong. You knew you shouldn't do it. So you see, there's nowhere that you can run from the complications and the reality of sin and therefore its consequence, which is death. So guess why Jesus came? He came so you wouldn't die. The penalty of sin, which is always the same, death, has been addressed once and for all the moment you come to Christ. And you can do that today. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and follow the link that says Jesus. Tony has a short video that explains everything you need to know and some free follow-up resources to get you started. Visit today so you'll know for sure where you'll spend eternity. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you today. Hey, I want to tell you something that we don't have a lot of tickets left. It's in 2021. That's the year we're in. October the 3rd through the 6th is the AFA Retreat. It's in Sylacauga, Alabama at Purcell Farms. And there's a few rooms left for those that would like to come. And and you can register. I'll tell you that number in a minute. But let me tell you who is going to be speaking. Dr. Ray Pritchard, you know of him. Abraham Hamilton III. Stephen McDowell. Sandy Rios. Mm. And a guy named Bert Harper. And huh. uh, so we're going to be there sharing with our our donors, our partners, but there's a few rooms left, and you can call 1-800-326-4543. That's 1-800-326-4543. Ask for extension 345, extension 345, and uh, there'll be one of those ladies that's in there that will help you and get you registered and uh, it's going to be a great time those days. It is a retreat, they, yes. and so I can't wait to hear Ray Pritchard. Alex, have you ever got to hear Ray preach? Oh, yes. He's amazing. He and can deliver, can he? <laughs> he really can. He Amen. really can. And uh, did you say Stephen McDowell? Stephen McDowell is going to be the great historian. Uh, oh, there's three goodness. or four just awesome historians that we're connected with here at AFR. Everybody knows yeah. about David Barton. But Stephen McDowell is one is tremendous. Who uh, is Bill Frederer? Is, is yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, those three guys, listen, they'll light. If you're a historian, or if you uh, want to be a historian, they'll light your fire. And uh, so Stephen's going to be there, and I think it'd be a great, great time. So remember, let me give that and, number one more time. I yes. know what people say. I didn't get that number. Here it is. Got your pen ready? One eight hundred three two six four five four three extension three forty five and again the dates this year October the third that's a Sunday afternoon go to church and then drive there probably and through the sixth that's a Wednesday those of you that are preachers you can get through and go and then get back. 
<laughs> mm. so well, there should be good. I, I want to say this, folks, because uh, he he probably wouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it. One of the best preachers you'll ever hear is Bert Harper. And listen, you like him on the radio. He's good. But you need to hear Bert Harper in person. And you're going to be speaking too, right, brother? I will be. I'm looking forward to it. I think I know what I'm going to preach. I, You know, I love okay. history and geography. I've right. got a sermon that I'm working on where it combines those two things. And I, I really, now it's biblical, historical, don't it's biblical, but you know, you find those things in there. I, I'm just drawn to that. You found that out by oh, working yeah. with me. I'm drawn to chronological order. I'm drawn to those things that, you know, geographical just, and that brings us up to this introduction here that we're in Galatians chapter one. Notice what he did when, when he, 15 days, he spent there in Jerusalem just a little bit. But look at verse 21. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Now, everybody knows about Syria, but what about Cilicia? Guess what? That's where his home is. That's the province mm-hmm, yeah. of where Tarsus is located. And, and notice, I was unknown by the face of the churches of Judah, which were in Christ. And again, what he's doing, he's defending his apostleship and the gospel, saying it did not come from man. He said, I didn't confer with the apostles to get it. I didn't go to Jerusalem to get it. And here he says, those people in Judea, they didn't even know me by face. And uh, he, Alex, his, uh, you said it, his IQ is great. He would have made some kind of an attorney in, when he oh, presents goodness, his case, yes. doesn't he? Well, that's true. And these final verses of chapter 1, he says, uh, And it was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. See, they had not seen him face to face, but they had heard only, verse 23, that he who persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed, and they glorified God in me. Just imagine, I mean, think of the worst atheist you could imagine or pagan or you know enemy of god if they got just marvelously converted and begin after having spent years opposing the gospel if they just suddenly gave their life to seeing people get saved that would be amazing and you know those those conversions have happened uh but paul i mean it was a great testimony that suddenly he was fully invested in the preaching of the gospel now, Alex, let me interrupt and say one more thing. It was not gradual. It was abrupt. You radical. know, it was radical. It was on the road to Damascus. He was going one way to destroy the church. When he got up, he became a part of it and was one. He would immediately have his life changed. Uh, it was radical, drastic as you can get. Do you know, I was talking to a, a minister uh, actually a, a 93-year-old minister who's still preaching about two weeks ago, and he was talking about uh, back in the 50s going to some Billy Graham meetings, and there were people radically getting saved. And, I mean, just like you've heard about, but, I mean, I've talked to a lot of these eyewitnesses. The the bars would close up and things like that. And I said, well, what was different? And Because I said, you know, we preach the same gospel. You try to get a crowd of people together. He said, well, the thing was, Alex, he said, I think the difference from some of the old-time revivals was prayer. He said that when we would have a meeting, you know, back then people would invest the time. Weeks people would pray. 
And hey, this can happen again. Just like we said, Paul preached this gospel, the same message of salvation through Jesus. Bert, we still have the Holy Spirit. There's still darkness trying to fight against light, but we still have prayer and we still have the body of Christ. I, I just want to challenge myself and everybody listening that we give all we can to see revival in our times. Amen, Alex. We are praying for that. Hey, before yeah. we start chapter two, let me give the phone number and we're going to open up the lines a little early. Now, we may not take calls early, but we're opening up the lines a little early. And that number right now, you can call 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Give a call, and uh, we want to do that. And so let's get back to chapter 2. I love yeah. the first word, then. Notice yeah. what he's doing. And notice how many times it says that in verse 18, then. Verse 21, afterward. Chapter 2, verse 1, then. You see, he is building this case about where he's going and why his apostleship is so important. And uh, at the end, and I'm going to do a little bit what you did. I'm going to jump ahead. Matter of fact, when you get to the end, he said, you see how big a letters I used in writing this. I wrote it myself. Most of the time, he used what we would call a secretary. Back then, they were called an amanuensis, same thing, just dictating. But Paul seemed to write Galatians, all of it, if not all of it, uh, uh, most of it, by himself. And he did mm -hmm. that. Now, he could do it, but most folks think he didn't do it because he had eye issues. But notice this term, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem. Also, notice a lot of the I pronouns. Verse 18, I went up. Verse 21, I went into. Here in chapter 2, I went up. He is making his case concerning what God has done in his life. This is, if you read this, this does, a, this does make a good testimony of what God did, doesn't it? Well, absolutely. He says, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. So God led him, and publicly, privately, he's witnessing and preaching the gospel. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now keep in mind, he's trying to keep the gospel pure. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us to bondage. So notice he's leading people to Christ. He's ministering. But Greek, uh, he's not adding the works of the law on top of this. Uh, it's, it's this free grace in Jesus Christ. You know, the phrase um, false brethren brought in privately kind of reminds me of back in Acts chapter 15. Doesn't it you, Bert? That very same language about yeah. people that would try to contort the gospel message. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now, verse 5 of Galatians 2 is the King James, uh, I don't think you get the, the forthright implication necessarily. He says, we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. In other words, he, he said, we didn't tolerate this one minute. <laughs> Amen. False teaching. A am I right, Bert? You are exactly right. Uh, the version I have, we did not yield 
you know? Yeah. Uh, it, he, he stood his ground. And again, I, I think we said these words yesterday. There's mountains that you die on. This one is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the most important, most important hill to stand strong. And it says that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Listen to those words continue. You know what Paul is saying? Listen, as it has left Jerusalem, spread to Antioch, and now gone over into what is we call modern-day Turkey, we've mm-hmm. got to keep the gospel, continue that gospel again it does not change by geographical groups it does not change with social groups and it does not change with the times the gospel is strong and we need to keep it that way and that's what he's doing here well you know verse six is an interesting verse it says but of these who seem to be somewhat whatsoever they were it makes no matter to me god accepts no man's person for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Okay, there are people that wanted to um, pervert the gospel and add works or, or whatever, and maybe they were, you know, influential people of the community. Paul says, look, I don't know, I don't know them. It doesn't matter who they are. We're going to preach the pure gospel. Uh, and again, I, I want to say today, <laughs> there are people who want to change the gospel and things the Bible calls sin. They say, well, no, it's not really sin anymore. We have got to get past uh, cowering in fear before fame or position or anything like that. We have got to tell sinners how to be saved, and uh, we can't uh, limit or truncate the message. But um, Amen. Alex, what's ver- going to happen later, I just got to slip this in, Peter is going to come to Antioch, and for fear of the Judaizers, he he kind of wants to tweak this. And Paul's going to withstand him to the face. You and I are both foreshadowing and going ahead a good bit. But yeah. in other words, faith should trump fear. Is that is that exactly the Bible says? The fear of man brings a snare. Yes. And um, I'm I'm just going to say that, you know. It, Every denomination, I, I did an interview with One News Now earlier today about the, the theological makeup of some of the older mainline denominations. Well, the Southern Baptists are dealing with their doctrinal issues as well. And I want to tell you, um, you know, the Bible is clear. Uh, sin is sin, and there will be no sin allowed into heaven. And I just want to say this, there is no sin that has suddenly due to popular opinion, been declassified. Every sin that the Bible has ever condemned is still under the condemnation of God. And friend, don't you let a celebrity or a theologian or an academic or the president of a denomination, it doesn't matter. Uh, Trust the Word of God. And the Word of God says that, uh, verse 7, Paul says, look, when, when these people saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter, he says, okay, look, Paul is called generally to minister to Gentiles. Peter was generally committed to minister to the Jews, although there was overlap. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So it's amazing to me, Bert, 
Paul knew his calling. He understood Peter's calling. And he was committed fearlessly, obediently, consistently to preach this pure gospel and to fulfill the assignments of life God had given to him. Alex, you know what I hear? There should not be competition nor jealousy. In Mm, other words, you know, this is what Paul is laying out. Yes, same gospel. Peter had his strengths. I have my strengths. That's humility. Humility is not recognizing your strengths. It is recognizing what God has given you and using it for his glory. That's real humility and knowing that he's the one that has given it to you. Paul recognizes that in Peter. Peter, this is your area. This is your area of focus. This is your focus group. Mine is this. Now, I don't ignore the others, but I'm focusing Mm -hmm. on them. And notice what it says. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that I had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now, what's this talking about? You remember over there when he said they met privately with him, you know, when he came in? Before the big Jerusalem conference where the whole group of people would be gathered, we had Paul to go up, and he seems, this is seems to be the chronological order, he met with these three men first to demonstrate, he and Barnabas, and they brought Titus alone. Titus was their example of what God had done to the Gentiles. Titus had not become a Jew in order to become saved, but God's grace was sufficient to save him, and mm. that was his argument. Hey, that number again, 888-589-8840-888-589-8840. Alex and I would love to hear your question today. Give us a call here on Exploring the Word. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. Washington Watch. This is a crisis of our own making, and that hard-nosed determination to not admit it for political reasons is just really, truly disheartening. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but on this particular issue, the contrast between the policies of the two administrations could not be sharper. As I've mentioned here on the program many times, I was at the border a little over a year ago. It was like a ghost town. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines socialism as an economic system in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. The distribution of goods are controlled by the state. It is a system where there is no private property. A stage of society, in Marxist theory, transitional between capitalism and communism. American socialists put the descriptor democratic in front of socialism because they hope to persuade you to vote for the elimination of private property. Make no mistake, 
Socialism is socialism. There is no kinder, gentler form of it. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus said, The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Every week I set our trash cans at the street to be emptied. And every week the trash man comes, and with the mechanical arm on his truck, he picks up all that ugly and sometimes smelly garbage and takes it away. You know, I've never tried to find out where he takes our trash. All I know is it's gone. Well, that's a great picture of God's forgiveness. He lifts up our sin and carries it far away to a place where it can't be found again. Don't dredge up the guilt for sin that God has already forgiven. He's taken it far away so that you can live a new, clean life for His glory. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Be silent before me so that I may speak. Then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. The number, if you have a Bible question, right now the phone lines are open. You will get straight through if you call 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And uh, if you've got a Bible question, uh, call on in. And hey, Bert, while we're talking um, and waiting for some of the phone calls to come through, I got to tell you about Truth for a New Generation, folks. October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, First Baptist Church. Uh, I'll be there. Frank Turek, one of the best speakers you'll ever hear. Frank Turek, Sandy Rios, Bishop E.W. Jackson, more than a dozen speakers. Here's what we're going to be talking about. And by the way, this is for parents, adults, teenagers. We're going to be talking about worldview, responding to critical race theory. What about the woke culture? What about militant secularism, socialism? I got to ask you, and this is part of our messaging on this battle of worldviews, can you defend what you believe? Can your kids defend what they believe? When your kids, if they go away to college, are they going to get disconverted? And how America, we must, we must defend our moral foundation and the Christian faith. Truth for a New Generation is October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, plenty of hotels, and you can go to simply truthforanewgeneration.com. That's truth, F-O-R, truthforanewgeneration.com, and come together and let's get equipped to stand strong for the gospel and at this time of such spiritual battle in our nation. Amen. What a lineup. I, I tell you what, if I was a, if I had a youth minister in a church, I would say we've got to put him, his wife, 
send them, if he's single, send him mm. and let that youth minister be equipped. Now, I know adults, but I would put a real focus on youth ministry, children even. And uh, Alex, that is God some lineup. It really would make a difference. Oh, and I'm I'm not even telling you the half of it, but it's going to be phenomenal music. We'll, we'll tell you more about that, but the fall will be here before you know it, October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can find out more information at truthforanewgeneration.com. Well, we're going to go down to CJ in Texas, the first call of the day on this edition of Exploring the Word. CJ, welcome. Glad to hear y'all. We always love hearing y'all. But the question I had was, uh, uh, I'd heard some guys that I listen to a lot talk about that they believe that uh, the end times that were close, 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 and that it could happen any day, which I know that's what God says. But uh, what is your your interpretation of that? Okay, let me just make a general statement. The end times uh, began... Uh, at the church age. It really does. But what Alex and I have tried to do, the end of the end times is close. Uh, And that's not us trying to be funny. It is really trying to be accurate that uh, there's been times where it looked very bad. But Alex, I would say worldwide, and I would say because of, I'm just going to say the communication network that is worldwide today, uh, we mm-hmm. can just see these things happening before our eyes that point toward Jesus' return. Yeah, uh, some of the signs that we may very likely be near the end of time, and these are all biblical, and they're all right now in our lifetime, the growth of the Christian church in parts of the world, the increase in evil and, and immorality, violence, occultism, the increase in false teachers, the nation of Israel being in their land, conflict in the Middle East, apostasy within the church uh, in Europe and America. Bert, one thing you alluded to, the wiring of the planet. Yeah. I mean, look, globally, we've got a surveillance state, and a lot of the scenarios that you read in Revelation 4 through 20, I mean, it could happen. Bert, the wrong people get a hold of the grid and... The buying of food, commerce, coming and going could be controlled heavily. But I'm going to tell you one thing, another thing right before the, the return of Christ, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And, so, and it's Bert, happening in some places already right now and right in America. Some Yes, our focus is United States. We understand that. That's where we live uh, that's where great mission opportunities take place. And as people said, as America goes, so goes the world. But there are outbreaks of God's mm. Holy Spirit being outpoured in, in Iran, of all places. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, in, and, and, in Syria yes, right now. I read yeah. about a revival in Syria. They are. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. I'm going to say this, Bert, um, spiritually, it is time to have our house in order. Amen. Amen. Hey. All right. Thank you. Uh, how about Max in Arkansas? Max, are you there? Yes. Can hey, Max. Yes. Thank you for holding. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say I, I listen to your show every day, and I just love it. Uh, I think you guys are good godly guys and got a lot of information. So the question I have, and I'll, I'll jump off here and listen to your answer, but the question I have is raised up growing up, I 
you know, my preachers, my pastors always told me that hell was eternal and you're, you're going to burn forever, you know, hellfire and brimstone if you uh, don't accept Jesus Christ. So I guess my question is, is that true? And I know that hell or the lake of fire is eternal and that the devil and his followers being the angels that follow him or the fallen ones, they burn for eternity. But the Bible, I, I've never read once where it says that humans or the children of God burn for eternity. It's always they burn for their part or a time. Uh, so if you wouldn't mind answering that, I'd really appreciate it. Okay, Max. Thank mm-hmm. you. Alex, we go to uh, Luke 16, and we find here the rich man in hell. He opened in his eyes, being in torment. Uh, what's he saying? You know, I, there's no, I know what you're saying, Max, but I don't see any end of that. You know, Alex? Mm-hmm. And it talks about a place, gnashing of teeth, and a bottomless pit. Uh, the thing about a bottomless pit, it never comes. It's the feeling of always falling. And I, I bring this up quite often. I'll throw it to you. There's two things that babies naturally have a fear for. One is loud noises. There it is, the gnashing of teeth, hearing that horrible sound. The other one is the fear of falling because that's the reason you out, you know, uh, hold them close. And those two things that are so part, the, I, I, let me just say that I believe the fire is real. But that's mm-hmm. not the only torment part of it, is it? Well, yeah, and, you know, we think of forever in terms of chronological time. But, look, we are in this created world, and there's time, space, and matter. Uh, outside the realm of this created world, you're into a realm called eternity. And, you know, you read Revelation fourteen eleven. The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest ere night, uh, those who worship the beast in his image. So uh, many, many places say, look, yeah, the devil and his angels. But those who worship the beast in his image were human beings that are thrown into uh, the lake of fire. And you read, you know, uh, Luke chapter 16 and, uh, you know, many, many places it talks about for those that, are not saved, they're not born again, they rejected God's overtures, they're in hell. Well, we think about time like an hour ago, a week ago, 10 years from now. But the fact is, Bert, by definition, wherever you go in eternity, that's where you're going to be forever. Now, those that go to heaven through being born again in Jesus, eternally they're with Christ. Those that leave this world in a state of unbelief, eternally, they're lost. So, Bert, as I read the scripture, yes, uh, frighteningly, hell is forever. Friend, don't go there. Turn to Jesus. We're going to go to Mississippi. Uh, Lee uh, in Mississippi. Do do I have your name right there, Lee? Yes. Yes, it's Lee. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you for holding you were expecting a guy, weren't you? <laughs> but I bet it's L E I G H. No, it's L E E. Okay. Well, we're honored to speak with you. Well, thank you very much. Look, I have a question. Okay. Um, myself and a coworker are having a discussion, a amicable discussion, about the one hundred and forty-four thousand. Mm-hmm. I feel like. And not that it says specifically in the Bible, and that's what I'm actually calling for, that they are witnesses or they are evangelists. 
during the time of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. My coworker seems to think that they are just a part of the remnant that will be used to repopulate the earth during the millennial kingdom. Okay. Can you give me some scripture to back up the witness or evangelist, or am I completely wrong? Um, let me let me throw something out here. Um, th- this is really kind of in Revelation chapter four, and it's in, one thing. Revelation seven four. Revelation seven verse four talks about these one hundred and forty four thousand. That uh, for one thing, they are from every tribe of the sons of Israel. So that narrows it down. We know that they're Jewish. But it says that they have a seal on them, S-E-A-L, sealed, and they've got the protection of God for a while because they are actual people during the tribulation period that preach the gospel. And so, Bert, um, by the way, in the 19th century, there was a lot of speculation about the end times but really, what most conservative Christian Bible-believing scholars have always taught is that these 144,000 were, you know, roughly 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they preached the gospel throughout the tribulation period, although they are martyred by the Antichrist for preaching the gospel. But we know they're born-again Jews that minister during the tribulation. And what you do always, even in... Revelation prophetic, you look at what's before and what's after, the sealing of these, and then it talks about the great multitude that comes out of the great tribulation. Why would they come out? Because of the preaching of the 144,000. You see the connection, Alex? Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, these 144,000 were sealed that God had called them, and then it says, after these things I look and behold a great multitude from all nations, tribes that had come out of that. I, I believe they are evangelists. Now, God may use them for something else, but I think they die uh, during that period of time. I don't. It seems like they give their lives. Thank you, Lee. Great question. Okay, we're going to go to Bill in Texas. Bill, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you, Lee. Great question. Okay, we're going to... Uh, Bill, turn off your radio real quick and then ask you a question. Go ahead. I got a question. I got a question that my preacher, uh, God bless his soul, he, he, he beats around the bush on it. And it's on the Bible, and you, you two know the Bible real well. I'm 81 years old. I don't read and write, but I have King James Bible on tape, and I listen to it constantly until I wore it out. And now I ain't got one. But uh, uh, on that King James Bible, Jesus refers to himself uh, several times, quite a bit of times, as the Son of Man. But he never, he, he insinuates he's the Son of God, but he never comes out and say, I am the Son of God. Why not? Because I know he's the son of God, but why don't he? And my preacher says, well, everybody knew he was son of God, and so they didn't, he didn't have to say it. Well, I disagree with my preacher because back there in them days, all, everybody didn't know he was the son of God. Well, amen, Bill. Thank you for that good call. You remember, let me share this with you. Philip asked him, who do men, who are you? We would see God, and, and, and Jesus is Philip. 
I have I been so long with you that you do not know that when you have seen me, you have seen God. Alex, the Son of Man is also a reference to God, isn't it? Really, being uh, the child of uh, Son of God. Yeah, and and let me just say this. Uh, by the way, thank you so much for calling, Bill. My goodness, we're just honored to hear from you. Um, there were a number of times, 80-some times, that Jesus uses a reference from the book of Daniel called the Son of Man, the Son of Man that was sent from the Father, and that's in Daniel chapter 7. But let me just throw this out there. In Matthew 3 and Luke 3, Matthew and Luke, um, the, the Father says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And notice when... God the Father calls Jesus the Son, the Son of God. Jesus doesn't refute that. He doesn't say, uh, well, no, I'm not that. So, so when Jesus is called the Son of God by the Father, uh, Matthew 3.17, Luke 3.22, Jesus accepts that. But let me, let me just say this, and this is one of the most powerful declarations of Jesus' Godhood is in Mark chapter uh, 14, 61 through 64, when Jesus is being accused and the high priest says, I demand you, tell us, are you the son of the blessed one? See, they wouldn't even say God. They would say the son of the blessed one. Jesus quotes two Old Testament scriptures, Exodus three fourteen and Daniel 7. He's, he calls himself the I am and the son sent from the father in Daniel. And they said, We've heard his blasphemy. So Jesus really did call himself God, and he allowed himself to be called God, didn't he, Bert? He really did, and no doubt. And not just the King James, but I'm talking about these other versions as well. He is God. He is God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. It's been good to be with you. Alex, I'm excited about continuing in the book of Galatians. So we'll do that tomorrow, won't we? We will. And I know there are a couple of calls we didn't get to. Please call back again tomorrow. We will do our very, very best to get all the calls in tomorrow. Hey, thanks for listening. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.